today here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth. I'm here today on an extremely special uh, Cincinnati Business Talk Radio, uh, where we're going to change the format up a little bit. We're going to have some questions and answers uh, on Sandler's sales strategies and tactics. So if you're listening to the show live, you can call in at 595-49. I'm sorry, 513, no, 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 no. The call-in number for questions today, 646-595-4916. Our originally scheduled guest today couldn't make it, so we're going to have some fun in the show, and we'll attempt to have a great and informative show. Uh, first thing I want to cover is what's happening next week. We have two fabulous guests. Uh, Dave Doherty, who is the ex-CEO of Convergis, will be here to talk uh, with us about his new nonprofit, Education at Work, where he's employing college students to do customer service work here in the here in Cincinnati, and we're going to have American Logic uh, at a competitive price for customer service for outsourced customer service. Uh, phenomenal idea helping the students, and uh, phenomenal idea for the people who need customer service. On Friday, a week from today, we're going to have Mark Schmidt, the founder of two companies, uh, Blue Chip. Uh, Asphalt Maintenance Company, and Atlas 10, a new company that does asphalt maintenance projects for large companies with parking lots all over America. And then we're going to have, uh, from ADK Pro Audio, Scott Ciccarelli on the 14th of March. On the 15th of March, Ides of March, uh, we're going to have Al Perlman uh, from... Smith Perlman, a CPA firm. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, show 100 will be with Thane Maynard from the Cincinnati Zoo. And uh, on show 101, we're going to have Mike Kelly. He's going to talk about his personal journey of leadership. Heard this story uh, several times before. I think he had a great story. He has a great story. He's risen to uh, exceptionally high positions in publicly held companies. Uh, 
So I've asked Mike to come in and tell the story. We have a special guest on the 28th of March who will keep in the wings. Uh, also a large Cincinnati growth success story. And on the 29th of March, we have John Morris, who's the uh, executive director of the Associated Builders and Contractors Association. We're actually going to be doing a one-day program for them uh, later this year on sales. So th- those are the uh, the shows that are coming up. And again, if you have a question uh, about how to apply a Sandler technique, feel free to pick up the phone and call 646-595-4916. And I thought I'd spend a few minutes talking about uh, David Sandler's books. Uh, His first book, uh, which wasn't published in hardcover or softcover, was a work called Mopac, uh, which is a a difficult read, uh, but for Sandler President's Club members, if you speak to me, we can uh, see if we can put a copy of it into your hands. It's not for reproduction. It's difficult to read. Uh, It's old, but it is the original uh, Sandler book, besides the President's Club books. The first book that that David Sandler brought out as an author uh, was called You Can't Teach a Kid to Ride a Bike at a Seminar. And this is a book that uh, myself and several other Sandler trainers insisted that David write uh, originally. The transcript uh, of the book was 1,200 pages as it was originally uh, cut down by the ghostwriter John Hayes. It sits at about uh, 225 pages. Um, If you wanted to read that book the way David Sandler actually wrote it, you should read chapter 2 and then chapter 1, because that's the way I read the original transcript. Uh, If anyone ever offers you an autographed copy of You Can't Teach a Kid to Ride a Bike at a Seminar, um, understand that uh, David died just before the first hard copy uh, books were printed. So it's definitely a forgery. Um, I'm looking through a copy of it now. And uh, by 2003, it was in its uh, fourth printing, originally published November of 90, uh, I'm sorry, September of 96. This is a a great review book for people who are uh, in Sandler, and it's a even better book for people who want to find out what's in the Sandler se- selling system. This will not book will not teach you how to do it. Uh, David was a little smarter than that. Uh, it was a book put together for. Um, I'm going to call it marketing purposes. Uh, David died before it came out, and so he didn't appear on Larry King to promote the book. And uh, being real honest, the the book kind of languished for a year. 
And they put a new cover on the book with uh, John Hayes. And he did a book tour around the country promoting the book as it was in bookstores. It did okay. Eventually, uh, went off the bookstore shelves and went to an out-of-print situation. And Sandler has been uh, reprinting the book ever since. And probably sells 10,000 copies a year. The the next book in the Sandler uh, repertoire... Oh, I see I have a, a caller. This will probably be uh, Doug Gowdy, who uh, represents us in the uh, Columbus Marketplace. Uh, let's see if we can get Doug on the line. Is that you, Doug? Can you hear me? Yeah, that is Mike. Hi, Mike. Hey, that, thanks for joining me here today. Uh, do you have a question, Doug, or should I uh, ask you to explain how how you've stumbled into Sandler. Um, yeah, let's start with that. That that seems to make sense. Now speak up because you're uh, you're on the on the telephone bridge. Oh, okay. All right. Um does that sound better now, Mike? Yes. Okay, good. So uh you know, Mike, it's that's that's a great story and I, I, I love to tell people how I got into the Sandler because I Sandler's worked so well for me and and that's why I work with you now. The Sandler's such great stuff for me. But um, I, I originally got into the San, into Sandler. I, at the time, I had owned a computer company. Uh, I think the company had been we'd been operating for about four years at that point in time without the Sandler. And we had recently become that that was the two thousand. It was between it was late two thousand. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe 2001, but uh, we had become a value-added reseller for a product that Intel made, but didn't sell. Believe it or not, they only there's almost everything that Intel makes they push down to a distribution chain that isn't ultimately sold, or it goes inside your computer. It doesn't. It's not something that someone could say, "I'll take one of those." But uh, we were selling a product that Intel was making that allowed them allowed IT managers to manage computers with Intel chipsets in them. So at the time, that was most every computer available. So the standard sales training at Intel at the time, and I don't know if it still is, I would guess it is, was uh, was uh, the Sandler. And so when Intel realized that there were about eight companies out there reselling their stuff without using the Sandler system, said, well, we want all these people to do better in the Intel standard. You must go learn Sandler, which I you know, somewhat reluctantly said, okay, and uh, went to a uh, boot camp out, uh, out in New Jersey somewhere. And... Uh, during the three-day boot camp, I must admit that I was a bit of what I what we call a hostage. I wasn't there entirely on my own uh, with my own idea to be there, but hmm? it turned out to be good stuff. Um, it wasn't the stuff that I expected it to be. I just kind of expected it to be the same old, same old sales training stuff that I had heard or seen around all over the place, and it turned out to be something dramatically different. So I thought, well, 
you know, this seems like pretty good, interesting stuff. It's at least a lot different than what everybody else is doing. Why don't I send my salespeople to it? So that's what I did. I had five salespeople at the time. I ended up sending all five, and it turned out that three of them couldn't, in the long run, execute the sampler. They just, I don't know, they didn't have the guts, or it was too different for them, or what have you. But the good news was that the three salespeople I had left were selling almost twice as much as the five that I had before. I'm like, oh, that's good. So So let me see if I get this straight, Doug. Sure. You reduced headcount by two and had a 200% sales increase. Yeah. Yeah, it, it surprised me too. Hmm. Yeah. And then, Mike, I, I did something that, that was even more sly, though, at the time I didn't even really know it. I, you know, the Sandler stuff was so good for getting my salespeople to do better, uh, interacting with with the prospects and customers. And all the customers seemed a little happier, too. And it's like, well, you know what? You know, maybe I should send my technicians and, and, and project managers to this because, you know, IT project managers at the time were notorious for just not getting along well with people or not having good interpersonal skills. Well, at least they'll get better at that. I don't expect them to become salespeople. Well, you know, a funny thing happened, Mike. You couldn't guess what it was. I couldn't. No, what happened? No. Well, about two quarters into the into the after the time that the that the uh, project managers had started the training. I was, uh, it, we had our sales meeting for the quarter, and uh, everybody was getting there, and we were going over the figures, and I was writing the bonus checks for our various salespeople, and sales had increased uh, that quarter as well. And we're like, wow, this is great. This, is, this was a huge increase this quarter. What did we do to make, to have such a great quarter? And the salespeople, all three of them, looked at one another and finally just got smiles on their faces, and they kind of said, we don't know. We we started getting these sales come in and, and people calling us about things that we didn't expect to come in. And they just kind of started popping up. So you know, we talked about it a little bit further, made a couple phone calls, and it turned out that these project managers had accidentally turned into, I don't know exactly, not exactly salespeople, but kind of sort of salespeople. Hmm. And it it was funny they were just they just started asking questions was all that they really did. They would be in a place like a Coke or a Honeywell and uh, working on an installation somewhere or, or or helping someone tune up the software that they purchased from us. And they'd notice something going on in in the IT department there or there at the company and they'd say, "Well, you wouldn't want us to integrate this this land desk with this remedy software stuff, would you? It, 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 I mean, would it make sense for it to to talk together and and work together instead of two separate things? And they just kind of started a conversation in the companies that 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 they were dealing with that 
resulted in these sales that were just entirely unexpected. Hmm. That's a good story. Doug, we're going to take a, a short commercial break, and then we'll be back. If anyone else has any questions or stories they want to tell, uh, the number is 646-595-4916. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. Many salespeople tell us business was really easy. They likened it to gathering fruit in an orchard full of ripe trees. They gathered the low-hanging fruit. They had to get baskets to pick up the fruit that was already fallen. They never had to climb a tree. They worked this way for 10 or 15 years. Given the strong economy, this was no problem. What are you hearing now? The economy has slowed down. Salespeople are competing on price. There's still business now, but salespeople have to work harder. The fruit has not fallen from the tree, and there's no low-hanging fruit. The fruit is there, but it's higher up in the tree. The problem is their salespeople have forgotten how to climb. Do your salespeople know how to climb? If you or your team needs to learn how to climb through and up out of tough economic times, call me, Mike Roth, at 513-646-6523 or check our website at rothconsulting.net. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. If you're a salesperson or a company owner, my message is critical for you. Today, I want to talk to you about the real secret of getting out of debt. Earn more money. Most salespeople and owners want to sell more at a higher price with better margins, but don't know how. I've helped hundreds of people and companies grow over 30% per year by making an investment in themselves. Albert Einstein said, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. I teach my clients new and different strategies, tactics, and behaviors that get dramatic results. I'm not for everyone. I'm tough, expensive, abrasive, and not politically correct. But if you want results, we need to talk. Call me at 513-646-6523. Give me your toughest questions. Then, if you qualify, I'll invite you in for a free meeting. 513-646-6523. This is Mike Roth. I'm back uh, talking to Doug Gowdy about his early experiences as a Sandler client. Uh, Doug, maybe you could tell us a story about how you or your team used Sandler to close a major account in the IT world. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure, Mike. So, let's see. Oh, this is an excellent one. So, you know, when when I first started, when I first found out about the Sandler and was sitting in the boot camp, we... uh, there, there were a number of sales at the time that were just kind of hanging out there and had been for some period of time. And, you know, there were things that we really thought that, that should be closing, but they weren't for some reason or another. And we just couldn't quite figure it out. And it was it frustrated me. So, you know, what at, after the boot camp was over, and uh, started working individually with a trainer, I I, I brought up some of these issues. And one of them in particular was was to a very large Fortune, I don't know, I guess it was a Fortune 100 company or Fortune 50, I mean, really huge company. And we had been going 
back and forth with their CIO there for mm, about a year at that point. Uh, they, they clearly seemed to need the what we did, the uh, the software, the installation, the configuration. They uh, CIO seemed to think that they needed it, and he had, even had a few things that he needed to get done with it. But the decision to purchase it just didn't seem to be able to to get made. So I talked to my Sandler trainer about it and uh, one of our top salespeople, and we all talked about it a bit. And what we kind of discovered was that we we weren't necessarily speaking about the right things with the right person or the right decision maker. At that point, all we were talking about were technically specific items, mostly features and benefits, though they were specifically benefits to the CIO. So what did you do? Well, you know, what we did is instead we, at the time, something we never even thought of, we we had a meeting with the CFO instead of the CIO. And we asked him a number of questions, what in Sandler we call pain-finding questions, and found some pain in the CFO's office. And in, in fact, that they needed to figure out how many computers that they had spread all over the country, at about 58 different locations in the U.S., desktop computers here and there, in order to do an upgrade. If I recall, it was an upgrade from Windows NT to Windows XP at the time. Uh, we weren't even talking about how the upgrade would get executed, but just to kind of figure it out and, and figure out what the scale and scope of the whole situation might be and what the cost would be. Mm-hmm. So that closed the deal. All these features and benefits for the CIO about how, for the chief information officer, about making his life easier, didn't get the deal done. But the guy who writes the check the chief financial officer, he needed to get more data. And all that time for that year that we've been working on that sale, turns out we weren't talking to the right decision maker and we weren't selling to the paint. Wow. Yeah. That reminds me of a, of a deal we did with uh, Comair. $3.5 million order. It sat on the CFO's desk for six months until I got the sales rep to go in and find his pain. Found his pain. The order was signed in an hour. Big difference. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, and and if if you'd like me to go on a little bit, there's even a little more to the story. What else? So, you know, you... So the deal got done, and we went out as soon as we could and got rolling with this stuff and got this, this stuff. It was called land desk working. And, you know, at the same time, all these other parallel projects and things were going on. And I'm not sure if the CFO entirely forgot about it or what have you, but they were working on putting together their project to upgrade all these PCs. And so... We got the stuff working. Maybe we got it working quicker than they expected. 
But um, so the CIO and the CFO got together for a meeting, and um, they were talking about the project and what needed to go on, and the CFO told him, I need to get data about now about how these things work, how, how, how many PCs we need to get, how much more memory, do we need to upgrade machines, do we need to throw them away, you know, wh- what do we do need to do from a hardware perspective in order to get this done? And the CIO said, okay, I put it on my list of things to do. I'll get it for you. So the software that we installed had been just relatively recently new in there. Mm-hmm. And he went in and he did a few things in the software, made it out some things, printed out a report, of sorted on a few things and massaged by a little software. But it gave a fairly accurate estimate of how many machines needed attention. And the next day, he goes up to the CIO's office, or CFO's office, and says, oh, here you go, here's your report. The funny thing is, like I say, I think the CFO must have either forgotten about the pain, but when the CIO showed up and handed it to, to the CFO, the CFO got angry. What? What do you mean? Why why is this? You're kidding me. Turned out the CFO had budgeted $2.1 million and six to nine months to gather all that information that the CIO had walked up and put on his desk in a day. So he had to go back and tell somebody they had made a mistake in his budget. Wow. Yeah. It's an interesting uh, problem to have. Yeah. How much money do you think uh, they save by putting in Lambesk? Well, you know, just in that one particular case, it was that, uh, well... $2.1 $2.1 million minus the cost of the Landesk installation, which mm. was, you know, at that point, I think it was somewhere around 480 or 490000 for for the installation and the uh, software. That was a little more than that, I think, at that point. Big numbers. Big numbers. Oh, yeah. Big numbers. And, you know, it was all about if we had been speaking in terms of numbers like that to the CFO to mm-hmm. begin with, instead of the CIO, uh, oh, you can deploy software quicker and you can count your PCs and you can do remote control, which the CIO thought was great. It wasn't what closed the deal, though. Mm. And the real thing that closed the deal was? The cost savings, the 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 real uh, economically definable pain hmm. for the CFO. Good. Again, if you have any questions, you can call in on six four six five nine five four nine one six. Doug, can you hang around? So if someone has a question for you, you can answer that too. Sure. Good. Let's listen to. Uh, a San Rule. Let's listen to 
Sandler Rule number 18. I'm Eddie Huff from Sandler Training, here to talk about rule number 18, don't paint seagulls in your prospect's picture. Have you ever jumped in with a great idea that killed your sale? Let me tell you a story, a story about Nancy. Nancy's a second grader in the public school system. She's just finished art class, and she's painted a pretty good picture. It's got a house and sun in it, but it's all over here on the left side. Nancy's art teacher comes by and says, oh, Nancy, that's a very nice picture. But honey, you need something over here on the right side to balance it out. She picks up a paintbrush and paints a seagull over on the right side of the picture. Nancy's very upset. She goes home. That night at the dinner table, Nancy's very quiet. And she pulls out her picture, except it's all folded up into a small square. The dad unfolds it and says, Nancy, darling, that is a beautiful picture. Very well done. And I especially love the seagull. Well... Nancy bursts into tears, leaves the room. He finds out that the reason she's so upset is because she didn't like the seagull. You see, Nancy didn't put it there. A teacher did. The point is, your prospect has a picture of their needs before you show up for the sales interview. If you start painting seagulls into your prospect's picture, they're going to become just as uncomfortable as Nancy. Every time you make a change to their picture, it leads to mistrust. It leads to rejection of your products and your services. Look, if their picture needs adjusting, instead of telling them or painting a seagull on their picture, let's do it indirectly. Let's help the prospect discover it on their own. Rule number 18, don't paint seagulls in your prospect's picture. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Doug Gowdy. Uh, and, Doug, you can stay along with us for a few minutes. Uh, yeah, I can uh, stick with a few more minutes. So if anyone has any questions for me or Doug, again, 646-595-4916. I wanted to talk about a few of the Sandler books that I think people should read. The next book that uh, Sandler brought out was called Close the Deal, or Smart Moves for Selling. Uh, in this book, Sandler employed Sam Deep and Lyle Suskin, a uh, best-selling set of authors, to take the Sandler selling system and convert it into a set of checklists. I'm just going to pick any one page here. Um, and here, uh, on page 159, is eight suggestions for selling to an influencer or a high-eye type person. Uh, one, reflect the buyer's communication behavior. Two, create a personal relationship during the bonding stage. Uh, three, here's a good, cool one. Acknowledge the personal pictures, photographs, or certificates in their office. 
Now, in your old world, Doug, you communicated product knowledge, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so let me tell you what Sam Deep says about how to communicate product knowledge. One, demonstrate how the product reduces the prospect's pain. Two, sell today, educate tomorrow. Three, control your need to prove how much you know. Unfortunately, experts sometimes get tempted to prove how smart you are. And then you turn off the prospect. Uh, Delete the technical jargon. And if you have to use a technical term, define it with empathy. Now, Mike, we, I, I was just going to say, I used to break all those rules back in the old old days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, um, should I tell you a little bit about a, a, something we discovered about breaking those rules? Sure, go ahead. Sure. So, um, you know, before we started doing the Sandler, we used to go out and do demos for people. P- people might be interested in what we were interested in, what we did. And so uh, they might write up an RFP or they might call us and invite us out to do a demo. And what we used to do is go out with a bunch of PowerPoints and flip through a bunch of PowerPoints. And then we'd pull out three different computers. We'd carry three laptops with us. And we'd have to get all those things wired together, get a little network going, and you know, praying that it all worked out right. If it did... We were then able to do some demonstrations for them in our limited controlled environment. After we did the Sandler a little bit, I asked a couple questions to, of my uh, Sandler trainer. Uh, you know, what can we do to fix this? We stopped doing demos. We uh, would only do a demo for someone when we found the exactly the problems that we could potentially solve for them with the software. And then we only demonstrated for them. And in fact, we didn't even do the demonstration. We had them do it themselves. And what that meant is we would take the take some equipment in, drop it on their desks, turn you know, turn on the on switch and then have them actually do the work to make it work. We'd instruct them, and, and the software was really easy to use. That was one of our previous features and benefits. Like, well, let's let's have the user actually do the demo themselves. So we'd one by one down pick through the reasons that they, things that they the definite problems that they needed fixed, and we would only do anything uh, any kind of demo ish type of thing only to those specific things. Hmm. You know, it's a way to do a demo. Yeah, it, it saved us. We, we figured that the first year we switched from doing that, every time that I had to put two engineers and a salesperson on a plane, mm-hmm. and then sometimes somebody from Intel would go too, it was costing us about ten or $12,000 minimum to go out and do some do a demo somewhere. We stopped, all that stopped. And 
sales uh, sales increased, and we stopped doing demos. It, it, it probably saved us eighty, ninety thousand dollars in the well, it saved us more than that. Probably saved us one hundred twenty thousand dollars the first year in that That's sort of savings. thing when we put people on planes. What did you say, Mike? Your whole Sandler training. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It did. It did. Just that. Just that one thing paid for the whole Sandler training. And you know, the funny thing is, we stopped. Rem- remember our Sandler rule from a moment ago: don't paint seagulls in, in their pictures. Right. We stopped painting seagulls. All the time when we were doing going through our demo, when we were going through our scripted demo that that had been made up by somebody else that wasn't towards the specific pains of the users. We would constantly, though we didn't weren't realizing it at the, t- at the time we were doing it, throwing landmines in our path. Mm. We'd stumble upon something that someone that was in the room would squinch their face up about and have something to complain with, and we were only creating those problems for ourselves. Really? Yeah. It, happened, it would happen in every demo. There'd be if there were four or five people in the room from the IT department, there'd be at least one guy in the room who who wanted to be the heckler, and we'd throw him a bone every time we did it. Probably several. But you know, when the user when we started having the prospects doing their own clicking through things, instead of right. us pointing out things to them. They found their own stuff in there on their own that they liked, even that wasn't even on their list. It it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been unusual unusual at all for a prospect who's going through and doing his own demo and clicking around to click on something in a menu and say, Hey, what is this thing OS distribution or what is this feature, what does that feature mean? And you could almost see the light bulb go off over their head. And it seemed like maybe half the time they bought because they stumbled upon something and it, while they were doing their own thing to check, go over their checkbox of things it had to do, mm-hmm. we hadn't even told them that it would do. Wow. How many times did that happen? I don't know. I should have kept count. But it seemed like it was maybe about half the time. It seemed like every time I was one, at one of these demos... They'd be poking through, and they'd sit there and click on something, and they're like, wow, you didn't tell me about this. What does this do? Happened in every single time. Now, whether or not that caused the sale to close or not, I think, like I say, maybe about half the time it was some some neat thing to them that they got really excited about. Right, right. Yeah. But there was always something that they were at least curious. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Uh Let's talk for a minute about the uh, the next Sandler book. Uh, this one it was called Five Minutes with Vito. Uh, or very important top officer. It was co-authored by David Matson and Tony per- uh, Paranello. Uh, Tony has been doing a series of Vito books for the past 20 years. Uh, David and uh, Tony... Uh, met and became friends, and they decided to collaborate on this book. Uh, it's an interesting book because it's the only place that the Sandler selling system is directly applied in a me- methodolo- with a methodology 
so that you can sell to that extremely large Fortune 1000 publicly held company. Um, some of the uh, examples in here of email and uh, direct mail are absolutely fi fantastic. Uh, this book was released uh, on Amazon, rose to number 16, and uh, it was a great book. The, the trick for reading it, if you're a Sandler President's Club member, is get the two-page flyer that we have on how to read the book. If you've never been through Sandler President's Club, just read the book. Uh, the language won't be much in there to throw you. The uh, next book uh, that came out about two years ago was called The Sandler 49 Rules. This book uh, rose to number one on the first day of release on Amazon, and then within weeks went to number three on the Wall Street Journal's list, stayed there for about three months. Um, it's still available today. Um, this, what's significant about the rules book is the rules were resequenced into a transactional analysis order. Okay, each chapter of the book is a rule. Uh, like uh, chapter one is, you have to learn to win to fail. You have to learn to fail to win. Uh, have you ever lost a sale and felt like a personal failure? You learn that it's okay to fail. You're not a failure as a person if you fail in your role as a salesperson. Each chapter in the book has a test your own understanding. Okay? And, and here's the test for chapter one. Reflect on a recent failure and identify three lessons you learned from that experience. Identify a current or upcoming opportunity where you can apply those lessons. Seems like a uh, fair question. Then what you do to get the answer is you turn the book upside down, and then the answer stands out at you. You learn a lesson about not, you learn a lesson about what not to do, and then you can simulate creativity and accelerate your learning curve by accepting failure as a normal part of selling activity. This gives you the freedom to try new things without putting your self-esteem at risk. This book was uh, later converted to a, an audio uh, CD. The audio CD version has one extra chapter in it. It's available through our Sandler store. Uh, RothConsulting.net. Just click on the store, or B, you can uh, call our office at seven five three ninety four hundred extension one zero six, and Carmen can uh, can get you a copy of the uh, audio book or the hard copy hardback. The uh, the next book that Sandler uh, created was the eleven uh, Sandler Insights or principles, if you want to think of them as corollary to the rules. That came out about a year ago, also shot to the number one position on the bestseller list, and is still available. Next book, 
This isn't the book that Sandler wrote, but it's a great book for every Sandler client to read and every salesperson to read called Taking Flight. This book talks about behavioral styles and how to transfer your life, your relationships, and your careers by understanding the dominant drive, how to recognize and deal with the dominant driver, how to recognize and influence a how to recognize and deal with someone who is influential, how to recognize and deal with people who are steady relators, and uh, so Doug, that's your phone. You want to turn it off? Yeah, I just uh, I just uh, put on do not disturb, Mike. Uh, that's my desk phone. Okay, and then Mark. the the last one is the person who is compliant with rules, DISC. Now, the beauty of this book is that the first half of the book is written as an allegory, a story about an eagle, a parrot, a dove, and an owl. And as you read through the story, you're drawing conclusions which aren't necessarily true. The second half of the book explains the theory of operation, and it's probably worthwhile, after you've got the book, to reread the first half of the story after you know the second half. The uh, the authors on the Taking Flight book were uh, Merrick Rosenberg, M-E-R-R-I-C-K-R-O-S-E-N-B-E-R-G, and Daniel Siebert. The the last book I'm going to recommend in today's show is a book called Adversity Quotient. I think we're all in in a world today where things are getting more difficult as opposed to easier. If your sales are getting easier, you don't need to read this book. But if you believe uh, sales are getting tougher and tougher and tougher every day and you've got to get tougher to win, then you want to read this book by Paul Stoltz. He's a Ph.D. Uh, we brought him into Sandler uh, a few years ago. And it's a great way to um, look at life. And Stoltz uh, taught us a lot about what he calls AQ, or adversity quotient. The faster and better you can handle adversity, the more you're going to grow. Uh, He's been featured uh, on the Oprah Show, and uh, you will learn a lot from reading the book. Let's take uh, a minute here and... uh, play a Sandler commercial. Why do some business owners make lots of money while others endure years of mediocrity? Is it really the economy, the market, the weather, the competition? No. These are all called excuses which are always plentiful. Hi, I'm Mike Roth, founder of Roth & Associates. I'm the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. As a business owner or part of a team, are you accepting excuses from your sales team because you make them yourself? Business winners succeed in spite of this trash. Business winners invest in themselves and their people. For over 15 years, we've been coaching, training, and challenging professionals 
who are 100% committed to long-term sales growth and profitability, no matter what it takes. If you're deadly serious about increasing your sales, call me at 513-646-6523. I'm the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. To find out how Sandler training can make you better, faster, and stronger, call 513-646-6523. This is Mike Roth. I'm back uh, here on the show. And uh, before we wrap it up, I wanted to uh, uh, give everyone a reminder about a a great program I'm going to be putting on with uh, Tom Manning, a three-day program spread one day a month in April, May, and June. It's going to be called Engage 2013. This will be a hands-on sales and marketing boot camp uh, where what Tom and I do together is wrap together the marketing programs that you need today, websites, social media, with your selling system, Sandler. So that in one seminar, you can ask questions and do a design so your marketing and sales programs actually work hand-in-hand and get a positive cumulative effect. Uh, no more wasting money. Uh, we had one guy who wasted $85,000 on TV ads uh, sponsoring the uh, the scroll bar for school closings because he was in the heating and air conditioning business. Got a zero return on investment. Not a uh, a great idea. Now, some of you listening are, are starting... Uh, new businesses or want to grow your business, I wanted to take a a minute to talk about some uh, prospecting activities that uh, we at Sandler believe strongly in. Uh, Over time, your prospecting activities should change as your business grows. Uh, In the first year of a new business, I'd expect networking to be an extremely strong component. In, uh, In that regard, We'll probably have a new networking club uh, operating here in Cincinnati. Uh, Circle March, Thursday, March 21st, from 7.30 to 9 a.m. Here at the training center in Eastgate, uh, we will have approximately uh, 20 to 30 people who dramatically want to grow their business by networking. Uh, the second thing you ought to be doing to grow your business is making cold calls. Um, I know I'm a great believer in it, and it works to bring people together. Third thing that you ought to be doing to grow a new business is some type of direct mail. Uh, Direct mail works best uh, where there's an offer and then there's a way to uh, facilitate the receipt of the the document. could be by email. 
much better if you promise to deliver a booklet or pamphlet. Emailings, e- email blasting uh, with a opt-in list is another great prospecting methodology. Uh, in our world, we do something called an executive briefing where we bring together people who want information about solving problems. Another marketing, sales, development, prospecting tool are free talks. Uh, A free talk is designed to give a little bit of information and get people to know you. That's, That's your proof of concept. If your business is not growing by getting referrals and introductions, that's a serious mistake. Especially the longer you are in the business, the bigger percentage of your prospecting time should be spent on referrals and introductions. By the time you reach the fifth year, um, almost all of your prospecting should come from referrals and introductions. I think, uh, as we're all human beings, unless there's an alien out there from Alpha Centauri, uh, it's fair to spend two hours a week in a Sandler training class. Learn something. Bring bring your biggest problems. And either I'll help you, Doug will help you, or one of the other clients will help you. Now, I think I pass a secret to uh, my listeners. Essentially, we have something called an Attitude Behavior Journal cookbook. It's a journal listing your daily activities. Now, you can do it on paper, pencil. You can do it on your computer in an Excel spreadsheet. We have an online web tool called Sales Accountability. You can use Goldmine, Salesforce, ACT. But some way to keep track of your statistics. Every day, have an I goal. Every day, have an R goal. And rate yourself at the end of the day. Make yourself accountable to someone. Uh, Have an accountability partner. Or send, send your results to me. I'll review them with you once a week. If anyone is listening is not a Sandler client would like to come to a a free Sandler class, um, call the office, 513-753-9400. Talk to Carmen on extension 106. Tell her you'd like to come to a, a free class, proof of concept. You'd like to see if this is for you. No obligation. Please plan on staying about 20 minutes after class so we can talk to figure out whether or not it makes any sense to set up a time to meet after that. Sandler Training will release this year at least one new book 
on complex selling. We uh, aren't going to give you the title now. I'm not going to give you the release date, but they will be forthcoming during this year. As Dave Manson says, it's locked and loaded. It will happen. But I've given you a total order of seven books to start your Sandler reading. Strongly suggest you uh, you read them if you have it. Uh, great information. It's not for everyone. We're tough, expensive, but we get phenomenal results. Thanks again for listening to the show today. And uh, Scott, why don't you take it away? Thanks for listening. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400.